Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Oh, man. Good morning again. Oh, this thing then went all crazy on me again. There we go. But, um, hey, um, isn't that wonderful that, let's give God glory and praise again for that worship. Wasn't that worship just beautiful? Yes, it's just wonderful to get to sing to our Lord. Um, we're going to jump right into it. I don't think today's message is going to be like a super, super long one, but man, it's going to be full of a lot of meat. And um, I had a gentleman that was mentoring me around 19, 20 years ago. And I'm not going to say his name. He doesn't live in town here, but I, I just didn't ask him permission, so I'm just going to use the story as an example. But he was just teaching me and taking me through the scriptures and just getting me focused on being able to um, um, not just say that I'm a Christian and go to church, but hey, what does it mean to, to trust in God through the Holy Spirit, to pray and to learn in his word and to have accountability in our lives? But he was telling me a story that one night he was out at a bar and... Um, and uh, he and his friends were kind of, you know how, I don't know if any of y'all can remember, um, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but at the end of the night, you know, everybody kind of goes out of the bar into the parking lot, and, and they were standing there, and, and, and he said, you know, on the back of his car, he had that fish. You know the, the fish that, the Jesus fish, yeah, you know? Um, and that guy said, um, one of his friends said, hey, what is that? And, you know, one of his bar buddies. And um, he said, he said, man, I'm a Christian. You know, that's, that's, that's a symbol of my faith. And that guy said, oh, I'd have really never known that. He said that comment messed with his head for the next four or five years. He said that one comment actually helped transform his life. Because he said he wrestled with that comment that I'm living my life in such a way that people do not know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and today we're going to be talking about that a little bit, but I, I, I want to be careful because I want to, I want to explain to you, I'm going to lay this out before I get into the Word, that the, there's a difference between struggling with sin and living in sin. I'm going to say that again. There is a clear difference in, in having a sin struggle than just being okay with it. Just saying, man, I'm, I'm a Christian I just, I got to get, get out of hell free card. I'm going to use it on this one because, well, I've messed that one up this weekend. And, but there's a clear difference in waging war against sin and then just being okay with the sin. You know what I'm saying? Can y'all, we can all re relate to that. But, but unfortunately, sometimes in our world today that, that, we, that we're taught if we just, we're good people. And then if we just say that we do love Jesus, that, that gives us the right to live any way that we want to live. And that is just so far from the truth. Not because I say so, but because this word of God says so. It is not my opinion. Hey, there's some days where I'm like, God, you sure this isn't good? It's, it just feels right. You know, just, this is just, no, it's just not good for you, son. It's not going to be, I can't accept that you want to let that in your life. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to, it's going to do like Garrett said, I'm going to beat the okra bushes with a cane. <laughs> I 
you fixing to get whacked a little bit. Um, but, but we have to understand, and, I, and that's why I say that, because I don't want people in here who are struggling with sin and being, um, and, and being transparent with it and talking about it and, and saying, man, this isn't something I want in my life. I don't want that person to leave here today saying, I'm not good enough for Jesus, because guess what? None of us are. We all deserve death. And everyone in this room that has Jesus in his heart got the extreme amount of grace that Jesus purchased for us on the cross through his blood. And if you're sitting here today and you've all these thoughts and all these visions and all the things that you're doing, maybe even the day before you got here, is trying to push you down and to pull you out and is trying to tell you that you're not worthy to be here today, you tell Satan to get behind you because God has you here today for a purpose. And it's to hear his word and maybe let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart so that today will be the first day of the rest of your life. How cool is that? That today could be the first day for the rest of your life. So there is a difference between a sin struggle versus just living in sin. So I'm going to get into it. I'm going to pray again that the Spirit would speak to us through his word. And then we're going to jump into it. Father God, Lord, I pray that as we read your word, that your spirit would speak to our hearts, open up our minds, open up our hearts to give us clarity and understanding of what you want us to grow in as a church and individually as human beings, as your children. Father, I pray for the saint, and I pray for the, 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 the believer, I pray for the following, the following believer, I pray for the believer who is rebelling, who's, who's ran away, and I pray for the person who does not know you that may be here today. Lord God, I just pray that you would move in a mighty way. We love you, Father, and we thank you for these things. In Christ's name, amen. So, um, in Jude, um, if you want to find the book of Jude, it's one whole chapter. Um, but if you want to find it, go to Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, then flip backwards. Jude is the, the book right before the book of Revelation. And you can open up on, on your Bibles if you have it or you want to use your phone. So this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ, and the brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus. So this writer's name was actually Judas. He would not put Judas in this text, in this, in this script, in this scroll, because he did not want to be confused with Judas who betrayed Jesus. So just a little bit of when you see Jude, it's short for Judas, and Judas was Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus. Um, this Judas did not want to be confused with him, and and actually Jude, Judas is the half brother of Jesus. It's another another historical fact that this is James's brother. Judas is the half brother of Jesus, and Judas as well as James had a really hard time believing that Jesus, this one that they used to push around and probably trip each other and and run around the yard, was the savior of the world. And he didn't come to this revelation until until after the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. So Judas now has this deep deep understanding of who he got to grow up with to the point that he would not even put himself in the same realm as when he was talking about Jesus. So, verse 3 and 4. Let's read that. Jude 1, 3 and 4. 
I'm going to skip around, skip a few verses today. I I have been doing verse by verse, but we're going to jump around just a little bit. In verse 3, it says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So it's going to, he's going to go on to talk about all these different stories. You'll hear a couple of them, of all the people who, who just um, called out the name of God, but they didn't live according to God's mandates, and it talks about that. So Jude is a teacher of the gospel, had to teach sound doctrine. Jude knew that by the, the new covenant that he was a, a, a man who was called to teach the early church. He, had, he couldn't teach off of opinion. He couldn't teach off of what he thought should be right or wrong. He couldn't teach off of the right or he couldn't teach off of the left. He had to teach off of the cross. And the word of God had to be the truth. The truth Judas teaching is that grace does not give you the freedom to live a life of sin. But unfortunately, there was a group of people that he was addressing that he wanted to come and celebrate the, the glory that they all shared through Jesus. And now he had to address some people and some people groups that had came into the church that was trying to promote that because of Jesus, you can live any way you want to, and that is just so far from the truth. There were some heart issues going on in the church. The truth is, Jesus is te- Judas teaching that the grace does not give you the freedom to live a life of sin. So the choices that we make, the choices that we make on a daily basis, it will indicate where our heart is and and we don't have to get up into a revival moment now and start confessing things but just do a self-evaluation right now the choices that you are making and how you love God and love other people and how you love your own body the temple of the most high God and, and, and the things that you are doing And the time that you're spending with the Father or not spending with the Father. But these choices are an indicator of where your heart is. See, Jude is asking the church to defend the faith. That's what he said up there. I'm asking you to defend the faith. Defend the faith in confessing sin in the context of the church body. We see in the news and over media now there's a lot of church splits going on because of, 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 of theology or, or, or lack of theology of, or, or opinions where something should happen, this shouldn't happen, and churches split, churches split. This is, this is um, people getting, talking about the scriptures and, and taking their thoughts and their convictions on it. But we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean for us to defend the faith. So we know that we need to confront sin in the context of the church body. 
Defend the faith in how we live our lives. Defend the faith in how we're praying for one another. If I come to you, Connie, my sister-in-law, and I was to speak about some sin in your life, but I'm refusing to pray for you, I would have to maybe wage that that's more of me being self-righteous than, than having the love of Jesus. If, if we as a church are going to speak to each other in, in, in our shortcomings, it should burden us to the point that we pray for each other without ceasing. If I'm going to speak to you as your pastor of something that's going on in your life, or y'all to speak to each other in your life groups, or as you're doing life with each other, it shouldn't just be a point of gossip. It should be a point of us being broken over where our brother or sister is at in their walk with Jesus. And it should draw us into praying and interceding to our Father on the behalf of our hurting brother or sister in Christ. And then there's just some people that we got to say, that's totally not what God's Word says. I can't agree with you. I can't be in, co in community with you because what you're saying totally does not line up with what God teaches. And that's kind of hard for people to hear because they have been, they have been set up by this world over the last hundred years that we should just be a community that feels good and it's got to be right. And if I'm not getting my needs met, it must not be the church. How far from the truth that it teaches us it's that way. And that's my scripture. It's written up in my kitchen. That you have to die to yourself to live for God. Whoever shall die will, will find life. Ephesians 2.20 says this. It says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. That's us, church. That's Dream Center Church or wherever you may go to church. That is your church, that, that together you are a family, that you are a family together. Even the crazy uncles, Mr. Richard, they are all in part of that family. Some weeks I might be that crazy uncle, but, but I am in your family. And because I am in your family, I would expect for you to love me enough to tackle me when I am about to run off a stinking cliff. Even though sometimes we just wish that crazy uncle would go ahead and jump. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. And I'm just telling you, <laughs> it can't be in my opinion, it's got to be God's word. That Jesus is the cornerstone, and we are a house that's built on a foundation that was the Spirit of God filled these apostles and prophets. See, Jesus had to be the foundation. He had to be the standard. He had to be the cornerstone. If Jesus is not the cornerstone, we will go out. It might look good 10 feet out. You're a builder, Ken. If you, you've got a, a cornerstone that's off plumb a little bit, you go out five feet and you're like, oh, this is going to be one square wall. You get out 100 feet and you're like, oh, crap, that board don't fit. <laughs> That's the same way it is with our walk with Jesus. If Jesus isn't our cornerstone, that we will find way down the trail in our walk that we are off plumb, that we are not in, in line, that we done got way out there somewhere. And there's people that are at a plumb right now, and they will argue you 
that they have the right to live any way they want to because they say the name of Jesus. Even the demon said the name of Jesus. And they trembled. The scary part is, is there's people today that say his name and not even tremble. Hmm. See, Jude goes on to give examples out of history of people and angels that did not want the Lord to be authority in their lives. The Israelites that were delivered out of Egypt, they were delivered, but they ended up wandering for over 40 years until all those descendants ended up dying off. They had a lack of faith. What about the rebellious angels that are still to this day chained up in the dark places in the fiery pit that God himself chained them up into a place where they were rebelling against him? And the people of Sodom and Gomorrah where God seen so much wretchedness that he just brought down hellfire and destroyed an entire civilization. People say, well, why would God do that? And I would challenge people to say, why would people rebel in such a way? Let's go down to verse 8. And it says, in the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. These people are a, a reference to who? A rebellious person who only wants to live life for themselves are inevitably going to live in a constant practice of searching and of pain. These people. Church. I know somebody needs to hear this today because this was me. When we live to see our agendas and our lives and our dreams and our purpose, and it's all about us and I, and everything is about what the next big thing is and what you want or the next big high, that is going to lead to a life of pain and loneliness. And there may be somebody here today that's here and, and they have such an emptiness in their heart that they, they're sitting in a room full of people, but they feel like they're the only person in the world. That may be you today. But I'm telling you right now that Jesus Christ, through his love for you, climbed up on a tree and sprawled himself out and was nailed to a tree. And he took his life, he gave his life over out of the love he has for you. And he said, it is finished. It is finished. That means that you do not have to continue to wander and walk in darkness. That today that you can live in light and it's because of Jesus. Oh man, I'm getting primed up for the church of God service tonight. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hmm. See, Jude is painting a picture in this scripture, and he's teaching the church of a person or persons who were unwilling to be taught. We've all had that person. Heck, I've been that person. Somebody tried to tell me some way to do something. I've done told them three better ways to do it. It just, this, this lines up with our life altogether. You've got someone who's 30 years older, and you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm, you might... You might ought to think about that. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I know better than you. That's a person who's unwilling to be taught. 
And when the Spirit of God is wanting to teach us and we're saying, God, I know better than you. God, I know that you might have created the heavens and the stars. You might have created this earth. You might have created me, God. But for some odd reason, I think I know better. Has anybody else ever been there? Yeah, everybody's like, like an auction. (laughs) Maybe. That's that flesh in us. That's that rebellious flesh in us. Don't let it surprise you. It's going to come up again. Don't let it surprise you. It's going to talk to you today before the end of this service. But don't let it surprise you because the fact is that Jesus Christ climbed up on a cross to die for you. And he said it is finished and the Spirit of God lives in you if you've surrendered. And when the Spirit of God lives in you, all you have to do is say, God, do it. Not your will, but not my will, but yours, God. And when, when you do that, he's like, okay, I'll take the wheel. Just sit down and watch me work. But we want to live in our sinful ways sometimes. In, in, in Jude um, 21, 25, oh, excuse me, Judges. I went all the way over to Judges. I don't know how I got there. I, just, I was in there. In Judges 21, 25, this is an Old Testament piece of scripture there's so much context to this so you need to study it and read it it says in those days Israel had no king this is talking about the time when Israel was without a king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes see that's where I think sometimes humanity wants to be today they want to benefit off of what a king could bring them But they don't want to live in a way that there is a king. And that's the church sometimes today. We want to benefit from what the church can get us or the security it can bring us or the the revenue that it has for us or or the security it has when I'm scared. But but when all of that is, is taken care of, we put God right back up on the bookshelf and said, I'll pull you off when I need you, king. I like living without any rules. Oh, I'm going to go have fun tonight. I got $100 in my pocket. pocket I'm going to see how far it goes. Next day you wake up with a hangover and a headache. That sounded really like, he's preaching like one of them old Baptist fat men, you know, back in the day. Maybe we need to start preaching a little bit more like Baptist fat men back in the days because people just feeling like they can live any kind of way and call themselves followers of Jesus. You can't follow the world and follow Jesus. you got to pick one. <sighs> Let's go down to verse 12 back in Jude, not in Judges. It says, When these people eat with you in their fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reeves that can shipwreck you. So, so Jude, Judas was basically telling the church, be really careful because these individuals have got agendas and they'll say all the right things and they'll be your friend, but they can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They're like trees in an autumn that are doubly dead for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. Wow, listen, there's a huge difference in something, someone acknowledging the Lord's love that is struggling with sin and confessing that they are struggling than someone who is saying, sinning and saying that they are okay because of God's grace. It's all got to do with a picture of our heart. 
and, and, we, and we harbor this sin, and then, and then we walk around and we tell everybody everything's okay, that, that I'm not struggling, I'm not struggling. It's kind of like that lady who taught our daughter how to ride a horse, Barbara. And, and I was like, is this a nice horse? Will it bite? You know what Bonnie told me? It's got teeth, don't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what we kind of had like sometimes. I'm not struggling with sin. I'm like, you know, I'll be walking around. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I didn't talk to seven people today, and they are all good. They look like hot mess, but they say they good. They ain't got a, two pennies to rub together, but they say they good. The whole family done disowned them, but they say they good. Everything in the world done gone bad, they say they good. Man, I got to figure out what they know. Because I woke up, and within three hours, I done had to go to Jesus three different times because I ain't good. See, that's what God wants us to understand, that Jesus had to come because you ain't going to be good. You're going to struggle with something of this world. That's what flesh does. It struggles. But because of the power of God, the Holy Spirit that lives in you, and a word called sanctification, then you will no longer have to struggle with that sin any longer as you learn and grow to walk in God because of the justification that was given to you because of the blood of Jesus. Then you'll be good. Not because of anything you did, but because of who God is. Do you see where this type of belief could be detrimental to the church? Can you see it now? Everybody's just wanting to go to the next pastor that's making them feel good. Oh, that body is really happy. Their coffee's good. We got coffee too. I'm not shooting at any churches that gives out coffee as long as they teach the truth. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. Jealous of the coffee shops. So the church has to tread very carefully in how we associate with such individual. Notice I said in how we associate because it is very, very wrong for us as a church to say you're out there and we're in here. And that's what the rest of this scripture is about. If you're a person sitting in here and you're like, that might be me, you are welcome here. But we have to go off of the scriptures and how we love you. Lo and behold, I might be that man that one day y'all have to sit over to the side and say, Paul, you you hot mess. We got to love on you, but we got to kind of set some boundaries up on how we're loving you because you're a hot mess. It's like riding a motorcycle. You ever think you got it right, you're about to wreck. We have to have a daily dependency on God through the Holy Spirit. So, how do we identify and address these issues in the church today? So, let's look down at verse 20, and as we close out over the next five to ten minutes, I think it will tile this in together versus just being us getting preached at and not knowing an answer. God gives an answer to the issue. And it says in verse 20, it says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we build one another up. <clears throat> Not in emotional thoughts, but in sound teaching from God's word. In how we live and in how we pray for each other. Building each other up through prayer. 
It's, it's, I don't have to have this answer to your issue. I need to pray for you and seek God's word for that. So the church has to be a place where God's word and his teaching are the standard. Well, what's your standard? The word of God. Well, what do you think about this? What the word of God believes? It's easy to have an argument with an argumentative person with me. They get frustrated and walk off and think I'm an idiot because they're like, well, what do you think about that? I'm like, well, let's look and see what this says. No, but I need to know what you think. I don't have an opinion. Well, why don't you have an opinion? Because I'm a follower of Jesus, and he took my right to have an opinion. How can I be a follower of Jesus and have my own opinion? I forfeited that when I became teachable. So... Our faith in Christ not only lets us embrace grace, but it also lets us embrace truth and transforms our hearts to reflect his. So we not only embrace this grace that gives us this right to do anything, but this, this, this heart change has given us this strength to choose not to do it and to know that that's not profitable for God and his kingdom and for us. Verse 21 goes on to say this. So verse 20 was talking about the church, the, the believers, the people, the ones who were confessing that they were followers of Jesus. And verse 21, 21 goes on to say, And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Again, we believe and pray, and now we wait the mercy of Jesus Christ. Witnessing and teaching God's word has to first start in our own hearts. I want to repeat that again. Witnessing and teaching God's word has to first start in our own hearts. Because if we're teaching God's words out of law and, and, and doing things and checking boxes, that's law and that will not last. But if we are teaching God's word out of a transformed heart and we're praying that the word would transform the heart that is receiving, and then that's life change that lasts forever. It's all about the heart. It's not about the actions. Amen, Richard? It's about where we're at with our hearts. And that's why scripture says, be very careful that your heart will deceive you. And verse 22 transitions from us, the church, to others. And it says, you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. That is the church, but it's a person who is a believer in Christ, who is, who is loved by God, who is still a child of God, but they have walked away from following Jesus, that their lives, kind of like my friend who was out there in the parking lot, and that man said, I would have never thought that. Now this is going to address the people whose faith is wavering. There are believers here today who are struggling. Listen, church. We are to show love and mercy with the sole intention of restoration. If you're in this body today and you're hearing my voice and you're struggling, you're in a safe place. Because I promise you, every person in this room at one point or another has struggled. But when we find a brother and sister whose faith is wavering and who's continuing to have this immoral stuff happen in their lives where they cannot embrace the fullness of God, 
We ask God to fill us up to a place where we can love them and pray for them and to hold on to them and to let them know that they are worthy and to let them know they're too precious to be, to be trampled in the mud and to continue just to pick them up and say, you got this, you got this, you got this, we love you. And even sometimes to say, hey, if you continue to act like that, we're going to have to discipline you as a church too, that you're going to be set aside, that you're going to be outside of the community of the church. It talks about that in Scripture. It says that a man's son was sleeping with his wife and it, it, the church went to him and asked him and he continued to do so and they put him out of the church and it, it didn't say that they put him out of the church because they hated him or they didn't like him it says that they put him out of the church with hopes that he would repent of his sin and be restored to God so that Satan would not have him the biggest form of love that you can give someone is discipline the biggest form of love that we can give each other is having the boldness to speak in truth with, pa with patience and kindness and honey dripping from our mouth, is that that's not good for you. God loves you way too much. So while the church should not condone sin, we should be very careful not to condemn the sinner. Verse 23 goes to say, still rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. So this scripture is describing two different people. Both people are not saved. The first description is a person who's willing to receive salvation. That's the person that you could snatch from the flames of judgment. But then there are others who are blind to their sin and they have not seen or heard the voice of God speak to them. And you can't do anything but love and pray for that person and to be the best example you can. What can we do, church, to a world that is unwilling to see and repent and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? We can be the best example that we can to reflect the love of Christ. We can be the light wherever we walk. We can love others when they're unlovable. We can ask for forgiveness when we sin against each other. We can sometimes step up and say, I was wrong. I had no right and no way in saying that. We can be teachable because we're being led by God. So we first, the first we snatched him out of the darkness of the world. The second we patiently pray for, speak truth and love and defend the faith and wait for an opportunity to snatch them out of darkness. Notice that I did say we defend the faith. We defend the faith. When you are walking as a follower of Jesus. You do not have to compromise on truth. It doesn't mean we have to be argumentative, but it means that we in ourselves do not compromise the truth. 
So now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. That's verse 24. So here we go. We're going to close up. We're going to ask a few questions. Then we're going to bring the worship team up. Y'all don't get up right yet. It says God does this through Jesus Christ. We all know that and understand that and confess that. Amen. Um, but I, ask, I got a question today. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior here today? I got it. Amen, sister. I do too. But there was a time in my life where I didn't. Do you know that everybody sitting in here at one time in their life didn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Sometimes when you're asking yourself that question, you're like, I'm the only one. Nope. Everybody in this room at one time in their life did not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I'm asking you today, do you know without a doubt that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you do, are you living a life that honors the Father? That's awesome if you are. Praise be to Jesus. But if you know Him but are living in an unrepentant sin, I'm asking a question. Will you acknowledge that today on this altar? And let Jesus be the Lord of your life once again. That's hardly ever do altar call I think this one chapter this teeny little book in the scriptures is so vital and important to us as a church by coming and saying I want to come back and follow Jesus I want him to be Lord of my life it, it, it's telling our brothers and sisters that we need to be praying for you number one it's not to put you on spectacle every person in this room has struggled with sin Every person in this room has had sin in their life that they've been unwilling to repent from. I'm just asking if it's you today that you're living a life that's, hey, Jesus, are you that man who's like, eh, yeah, that means I'm, I'm a Christian. He said, I'd have never known. Is that you? Would that be you? If you were standing in a group of people, would your way you carry yourself and the way you love others and serve others in the way you, you speak and the way you talk and the things you do, would that be able to let people know that who you belong to? Again, it's not about works. It's just about heart change. And you have to start somewhere in order for God to start working on your heart. And it's got to be getting yourself in a posture of learning and growing and submission. So next, maybe you're that person that is listening that is ready to be snatched from the fire. Will you come down and confess your inability to do life on your own and ask Jesus Christ into your heart today? Be the best decision that you ever made. I promise you this, life will not get easier. It'll get harder in many ways. People will laugh at you. You'll have to make decisions that will probably make you forfeit some of your dreams and desires that you have. There's a good chance that you won't get job promotions because of your commitment to follow Jesus and to let him be your Lord. And a lot of this world that you've so been desired to will have to be put second behind a father in heaven, a king. But if that's what you'd like to do today, it'll be the best decision that you've ever made. Because it'll bring forth a peace that this world in all of its beauty and splendor cannot bring. It will give you the ability to walk through fire. It will give you the ability to walk through fire 
when the world has to walk around the fire. It'll give you the ability when you see an ocean in front of you, God will split the ocean. And you still got to walk through it like Richard says, but he'll be there with you. I love our church. Philip, I love the fact we can drop coffee cups. Bro, don't ever, ever worry about dropping a coffee cup in here. We will all get up and body slam our coffee cups on three. We are not here. Put, we are family. If you was at home in your living room and dropped a coffee cup, you wouldn't get embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Everybody on three say, we ain't embarrassed, are we? We ain't embarrassed on three. We ain't embarrassed. We, look, there's so much of the enemy that's trying to make us act like this kind of group of people. I have been preaching with kids hanging on my legs up here. Huh? Don't you do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, we are family. These kids in this room is our future generation. I know, it's scary. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so maybe you're that person that's ready to be snatched out of the fire. That means that Jesus does the snatching, the Spirit does the sealing, but his children here in this room does the teaching through the Spirit to help you follow his way. So will you come down and, and confess your inability to do life on your own? And lastly, if none of this today makes sense to you, um, I don't expect for you to get up. You didn't see it. And I can't make you see it. You got people in your lives that you love so much. And you just said, I just wish they'd see it. You can't make them see it. And if you're that person today, just don't see it. Can I tell you, I love you. I can't help but love you because God loved me first. And it's because he loved me that I can tell you that I love you. And I pray that one day that you'll see it. And not only will you see it, but will you embrace it? And will you receive it? And will you live? And will you follow him? And then you'll experience the kind of freedom that I can't sit up here and describe.